0: The Hustle & Faith, this podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. Are you enjoying The Hustle & Faith podcast? Regardless of where you listen to Hustle & Faith, if you love this show, please leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash Faith. Again, that's ratethispodcast.com forward slash hustle and faith. Doing so will help others to discover this show. Thanks again for your support. It is very much appreciated. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Greg Hall. Greg Hall hosts the Rethinking Scripture podcast and RethinkingScripture.com, where he challenges listeners to rethink what they thought they already knew about the Bible. He's been a college athlete, public school teacher, real estate broker, triathlete, small business owner, pastor, tour leader to Israel, and university professor. Greg lives in the Pacific Northwest, and his biblical training has produced a unique perspective on some of life's most important themes. Welcome to the show, Greg.
1: Uh, thank you very much for having me on. This is going to be fun.
0: Definitely, definitely. Thanks for coming on to the show. Well, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Very good. Well, by the way, you did a great job reading that intro. I tried to list as many things as I've ever done in my entire (laughs) life. And I get confused uh, reading halfway through it myself. So good job. Uh,
0: Thank you. Thank you. It it is a mouthful. But that just that just goes to show that you live life. And I love that.
1: (laughs) I usually tell people that I do a lot of stuff not very well, so. <laughs> oh, I
0: wouldn't say that. <laughs> I just,
1: I just fill it up as much as I can. So who, who am I? I'm, uh, first and foremost, I'm a family guy. So I've been married 32 years. I married my high school sweetheart. Oh. Uh, yeah, her name is Lisa, and awesome. we uh, moved away from our where we grew up for a bit, and then we moved right back. Um, I'm about three miles from my high school, so I haven't ventured too far away from my roots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got two sons. They're both in their mid-20s, wow. and they're trying to figure out life just like everybody else is. Um, We have the pleasure of living on some acres, uh, five acres here in Salem, Oregon, about an hour south of Portland. Wow. Okay. Um, I tell people that I own a tractor, but I just pose as a farmer. (laughs) 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 We tried the farming thing a little bit and we just failed miserably. So (laughs) I use that mostly just for mowing weeds and things like that. So
0: yeah. (laughs) So two more
1: things, two more things before we move on. So I used to be an athlete, you kind of read that, uh, Mm -hmm. I think, in the intro. Uh, I had six knee surgeries in my 20s. And so I I don't, I don't do a lot of what I used to try and do. But Mm. I do swim. And Mm -hmm. if anybody out there is a swimmer, you know, what an incredibly hard workout that is. And it puts me to bed at night. So I I swim four to five days a week and to wake up in the morning, I have switched to half calf instead of full calf. So
0: good for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's a change that a lot of people aren't willing to make. I have to be honest. I've always been a tea drinker. So I, I, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good for you. Kudos. (laughs) Hmm. All right. So what inspired you to write Rethinking Rest? why our approach to sabbath isn't working.
1: Yeah, so uh I'm a I'm a let me explain how I approach uh life a little bit. Some people mm-hmm. kind of um experience stuff and then react to life and then go to the Bible to try to find the answer to the thing they just experienced. <laughs> that that seems normal to me really, but it's not how <laughs> it's not how I function. <laughs> so usually what makes most sense to me is going to the Bible first and exploring and finding something within scripture, and then just going to the bottom of where that leads me within the scripture itself to, to understand it as best I can. Sure. And then I go to my life and say, oh, you know what, that would apply here and here and here and in that circumstance and all of that. So mm-hmm. I kind of, I maybe do it a little bit backwards, um, and the problem is, it takes a lot longer <laughs> to do it that way. Because <laughs> when something happens, when you have an emergency in your life, and then you go to scripture, uh, you can usually find an answer within about thirty seconds. Uh, yeah. The pr- the problem is sometimes you're reading that passage out of context and maybe applying it how it wasn't supposed to be applied. So mm-hmm. all all that said, what. What inspired me to write about uh, Rethinking Rest, my book? Um, it started in a class where I was studying the New Testament, uh, honestly. Um, I had a professor that was walking us through the New Testament mm-hmm. in a, sur- a survey-type course, and we got to the book of Hebrews. And for those that don't know, there's two chapters in Hebrews, three and chapters three and four, where the author goes into a little discussion about a believer's rest. Mm -hmm. And um, it was fascinating to me because that was the first time I noticed that the author, to describe what type of rest is available to believers today, New Testament, after death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, what's available to us today, he went back, he or she, because we we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. So I always like including um, uh, the she in there because uh, I like to think that, you know, we have a woman author for Hebrews, but uh, (laughs) nobody knows. Um, The author of Hebrews takes us back to the Old Testament to describe what's available now. So he's giving us word pictures from an Old Testament experience to describe the rest that's available today, and I just found that fascinating because once I started going down his rabbit hole of the Old Testament and following the trail and the breadcrumbs that he was uh, this author was leading us to, uh, it just sort of opened up so many more questions about well why did he go there? why didn't he go here why why did we end up back? in chapter one of Genesis, what What's going on? So it was that that started in my master's program. Um, and I started asking questions and that led to my doctoral project that I did on Sabbath rest. And, uh, then after that, nobody likes to read a doctoral thesis (laughs) (laughs) because they're terribly boring. So I decided I was going to try and Get this thing accessible to just uh, people that go to church every day, that are just trying to live their lives for the Lord, and that trust Him and have come to faith in Him, and try and and lay out some of the things I found uh, for that type of audience.
0: Sure, sure, and you know what? Just um, for those that may not be familiar with the term Sabbath, did you want to have? Do you have like a quick explanation regarding that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I this, and this is how I intro the book because I assume the same thing. Uh, we all have slightly different ideas about what Sabbath might exactly. mean. And that's part of the problem, uh, honestly, that I address in the book. We've gotten to a point in the church world, and I, I just say that not for any individual church, mm-hmm. but uh, for just the church in general, people that believe have largely just abandoned this concept in their life. I mean, there's a few people trying, right? But a a lot of people have just abandoned the topic because they're so confused. And it's largely because uh, in the Old Testament, you've got one idea, and that's um, this day of rest. It's the fourth commandment that we read in Exodus 20, the fourth commandment. And in the Old Testament concept that started at sundown on friday night and it went to mm-hmm. sundown on saturday night. so um some people in the church feel like we should be going back to the old testament understanding of that. and so there's that camp. then there's um some people that say you know what in the new testament we see believers gathering on sunday instead of saturday and so maybe sunday has become the new sabbath day. and so mm-hmm herein begins the argument, right? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And then a guy named Martin Luther came along and Martin Luther's idea was, you know what? I understand people, some people have to work on Sundays. So this idea of Sabbath could really be accomplished on another day of the week, as long as you kind of work it into your schedule. Mm -hmm. And that even has morphed into what we find today, a lot of people are trying to define Sabbath as, you know what, I take two hours on Monday morning and then Friday afternoon, I've got about five hours. And <laughs> and they just try and they piecemeal. piecemeal <laughs> yeah, they piecemeal their Sabbath experience together. Uh-huh. And so that's how a lot of people have defined Sabbath. Um And we get in so many arguments about what it is and what day it might be and what activities might be available for someone to do on such a day that we never really get past a simple definition of the terms. Mm -hmm. And and so what my book tries to do is, I call it a biblical theology of rest, and I tried to stay away from Sabbath in the main title. It's in my subtitle, but I tried to stay away from Sabbath in my main title just because I'm, I'm talking about the whole concept of rest, and a lot of people don't realize that the Bible, from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through to Revelation, the end, the Bible presents a coherent, well-organized theology of what rest is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fourth commandment is just a very small sliver within the overall theology and yet that that seems to be where most people's conversations go when you ask them you know how would you define biblical rest mm-hmm. they just automatically default to that fourth commandment idea which i get because that's how we've been taught to think about the topic
0: exactly but in the long to make a long story short we're all seeking rest right like
1: <laughs> all of all of humanity is seeking rest you are right it's not just <laughs> believers it's everybody
0: yes yes and i was thinking in matthew 11:28 to 30 jesus said that if we would go to him he would give us rest right so why do you believe that more people don't take Christ up on his offer
1: yeah good i i spent a lot of time in matthew chapter 11 and 12 in my book kind of yeah. explaining what it is that Jesus is talking about when he when he talks about not just rest, but he he says a lot about Sabbath as well. He makes some mm-hmm. weird claims that uh, we don't know what to do with. like,, uh, I'm Lord of this idea of of ceasing. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> but in matthew eleven twenty eight you kind of honed in on one of the most important things that he does say about this topic. Uh, let me just read it to you. I've got it up in front of me. Okay. He says, and this is in the NASB version: "Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden." And I feel like we could, you know, most people just stop right there, and they go into their quiet prayer time, and they never come back out of it because that is just who we are as a people, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's not where that's not where Jesus ended. He said, "Come to me, all you who are weary." and heavy laden. And I will give you, he doesn't say one day a week off. That's not what he says. He, he goes, yeah. he goes to the bigger idea, the biblical exactly. theology of rest. He says, I will give you rest. Take my, but then he goes, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and." And by doing that, by taking my yoke upon you, he says, then he quotes an Old Testament scripture, you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus, when he talks about rest, he's not talking about physical rest. And that's really what the fourth commandment tries to tackle, is you're working too hard physically, so let's take time off from that work and give your body a rest and In so doing, we're going to focus maybe on spiritual things more than you can the other six days of the week. But here, what Jesus does is he says, I'm going to give you rest. And the way I'm going to give you rest is by you taking my yoke upon you. And verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, let me just ask you a question, <laughs> since this is your podcast, and you're firing so many questions at me.
0: Oh, man, flipping the script. I'm, getting, I'm sweating over here now. All right.
1: <laughs> what does it mean when he says, take my yoke upon you? What, what do you think a yoke is? I mean, let's just get practical. Uh, get out of the Bible for a second. Just what's a yoke?
0: you know what, I, I feel like I should know the answer to this. A long time ago, I feel like someone had, did a study about this. So is it yeah. like something that you, um, something that is used to put on the back of cows? Am I wrong on that?
1: No, you are exactly right. <laughs>
0: okay. Like, I, I oh my goodness, you were testing me on that one. But no, yeah. No, I,
1: you I, did well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that, that, that material, I forgot, I can't even picture what it looks like, but I just remembered the definition of that. And so putting things on top of that is supposed to lighten your burden because otherwise you would have been the one carrying that, right? So- Well,
1: yeah, I think that's part of the idea. And herein lies the problem. When we are trying to ask the question, what type of rest is Jesus offering? He's defining it in terms of a yoke. And even though I live on five acres- I don't own a yoke. I've never yeah. used a yoke. I have no idea. You get me around a yoke and I would be useless.
0: Yes, exactly. You're right on that. That's why I had to think the second there. I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds but, weird. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you did good. But to understand Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 we have to understand what Jesus meant when he was talking about a yoke. I mean, that just makes sense. Mm -hmm. But none of us really do because we've been removed from that uh, time period that Jesus was living in and the usefulness of what a yoke meant in his day and time. Mm -hmm. And so we have no way of getting that meaning into our current day understanding. So we just sort of stop early and say, isn't it great that Jesus is offering us rest? But if we understand what a yoke is and here it is it's a piece uh, of wood usually in old old or new testament times it would have been a piece of wood mm-hmm. that connected two farming animals so it could have been cows or um anything that could pull right
0: mm, okay
1: so like two oxen were yoked together we understand that term right yes don't yeah. don't be unequally yoked um uh the bible talks about so Two cows that were yoked together had this thing going across their back and they were locked in. It was, it was like they didn't have their own choice on where to go and what to do. Who was making the choice? What was the person with the reins that was behind them on the plow or whatever they, the cart that they were pulling? And those reins determine where people go and what they do when they're yoked. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Okay. So
1: when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are out there working in the world, trying to figure it out, trying to give the world meaning and order on your own power. If you're weary and heavy laden in that way, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. And it's not physical rest that he's talking about. It's rest for your soul. And so he describes that rest as taking an instrument of work upon our back, but it's an instrument of work that only allows us to go where Christ, the one who holds the reins, where Christ would have us go, and it only allows us to do the things that Christ would have us do, how he's gifted us, how he's... um empowered us. And uh, like I I say, I was an athlete for a period of my life. Mm -hmm. And during that period of time, I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I uh, I wasn't the best, but I knew spending time practicing and going and playing in games and the influence I had with other teammates and all of that stuff, I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I was well, yoked, in other words, I was allowing Christ to put me in my place and allowing Him to guide me through life. And when you're in that place as a person, and this makes just obvious sense to people, yeah, when you're in your place that Christ would have you be, and you're doing it the way, doing your work the way Christ would have you do it, your soul's at rest, yeah.
0: Yeah. Even though, even though you
1: might, even though you might be weary uh, physically, even though you might be exhausted, we all know that when we're doing the thing that we were meant to do, even though we're physically tired, we are so jazzed about what we're doing that we we just can't wait to get up the next day and continue.
0: That is so true.
1: And the yeah, and the problem is most of us find ourselves somewhere outside of that situation. Yeah, And so we go to bed at night, just exhausted. We wake up in the morning, not really excited about doing the thing that's on our plate for the day. And that's the type of existence that Jesus is speaking directly into. And he's not saying your life's going to be just what you want to do. It's going to be a vacation. It's going to be easy. This is, this is a hard life that he's calling us to, but it's a directed life. It's a life directed at using the gifts and talents that God's given you, and when you're doing that, you're experiencing Sabbath rest. That's yeah. what that's what Sabbath is. That's what a ceasing is. It's a ceasing of us trying to figure it out ourselves and letting Him take the reins. It's, it's sort of like that the uh, country song, what was it? God take the wheel or something that was about twenty years ago probably. <laughs> and i'm not a country guy so i don't know
0: i definitely don't know
1: either but i I, maybe
0: is it possibly jesus take the wheel maybe oh
1: maybe i don't know i'm just throwing that that out because i'm not country either (laughs) (laughs) very good
0: oh man i'm thinking about your explanation and i'm like nodding my head as you're speaking because all i see is that word the peace that that surpasses all understanding yeah. You know, I love, you're absolutely right. When you're in, in your groove where you're supposed to be everything, I, I don't know, to me, the word peace comes, comes to mind, but yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of rest and Sabbath. I love that, Greg. I really yeah. do.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, in my book, I talk about, um, uh, I talk about it in terms of, I call it a sweet spot. And yes.
0: Yeah, yeah all of us have that
1: sweet spot and i use uh napoleon dynamite uh, i don't know if you've seen that movie
0: you know i've heard of it i've never seen it oh you got one watch person it. that <laughs> hasn't seen it oh my gosh okay
1: <laughs> well my example is probably uh gonna fall on moot ears here so um
0: that's okay go for it anyway there's other no, people there's,
1: <laughs> there's a character in this in the movie uncle rico he's he's a really quirky guy but uh, the whole movie, he just keeps talking about how if he had been put in in the fourth quarter of the championship game, his senior year in high school on the football team, he knows they could have won state, but they didn't. <laughs> he didn't get put. He was a backup quarterback, I guess. Uh-huh. And he didn't get put in. And this guy's probably in his mid to late thirties at, you know, when, when the movie's taking place. So he's remembering back this time in his life when he was in a sweet spot as a backup quarterback. And the problem is sweet spots move on us, right? Mm,
0: that is so true. Yeah, they, that's true. That's they true. move.
1: And for uncle Rico, <laughs> the example <laughs> that I use in my book, he just got stuck in a sweet spot and he didn't learn how to pivot. Because he had new gifts and talents that uh, blossomed during different times in his life. And he just kept going back to that one, kept replaying that one thing that, man, if I had just done that or (laughs) handled that differently. And I find that's true, not just for me, but it's true for everybody I meet. We all have gifts and talents that are uh, maybe spike at certain times in our life. And then something happens And those opportunities or that gift and talent sort of wanes a little bit, but other things come to the forefront.
0: So true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so Sabbath rest, that idea of entering into the rest that Jesus offers and having that yoke upon us where that's leading us and guiding us through our daily life is really just a daily search and an openness to What is it that God's putting on my plate today? What is it that I can do today to see where God might be leading me to test some waters to see if that thing might be restful over there, even though I've never done it before? I think Mm -hmm. I might have some skills and ability to do something like that, whatever that is. But letting God just lead us to different places in our lives and testing those things out. And if they're a good fit, and they seem restful from a soul rest standpoint than diving into them. And I use uh, testing the waters as kind of an analogy for swimming. Cause sure. I, I hate getting, I mean, I love swimming. Don't get me wrong, but I absolutely hate getting in the water because it's always cold.
0: Yes, I agree. It, yes.
1: <laughs> it almost, I mean, it almost keeps me home some days because I just, I hate that one part and you know, 10 seconds in, yeah, it's all it's all over, but it's just that oh, I absolutely hate it. So I've developed as I swim, I've developed this long, drawn out process of testing the waters, where I sit down on the edge of the pool and then I put one foot in, and then <laughs> I put another foot in, and then I pretend like I'm stretching a little bit just Maybe for those around me. Maybe ten minutes later, me. you get in
0: there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I splash some water up on myself. It's that same process though that we can use when we go out in life. That's what God is calling us to do. He's not saying, Hey, here's an opportunity that I'm going to put on your plate. Jump in both feet and just go for it. Because we've all done, we've all had stuff come across our plate where we've jumped in. Yeah. And pretty quickly, we just realize, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> This is not a good fit. Not yes. at all. I should have dipped my toe in this first. <laughs> yes. yes. And yes. either gotten used to it or maybe decided, you know what? Not right here. Maybe I'm going to try lane number two instead of yeah. lane number four today.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what? I want to follow up on your comment regarding pivoting. Yeah. What are some What are some signs that maybe we could look for in order to guide us on the path that, hey, you know what, maybe I need to, you know, go to go down a different path. What what are signs that we should look for that God may be sending us that it's time to pivot?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, because I think that's one of the questions that people are uh, a lot of times just continually asking themselves should I be doing something different? Should I be? Yeah. yeah. Um, and part of the problem is if we're approaching what we do the wrong way, like yeah. if, if we think it's our idea that we're doing this, we're, we're always going to come to a point at some point where we question, is this really where I should be?
0: Exactly. Yeah. But if
1: it's God, that's actually putting us in a place. Uh, I used to Uh, There's a non-denominational Bible study I used to go to called Bible Study Fellowship. It's an international group, Mm -hmm. and they used to tell their leaders, God's going to call you into this position if he wants you in leadership, like leading a small group for Mm -hmm. this study. Mm -hmm. He'll call you to it. You'll know, and you need to say yes. And then their advice was, in the same way that he called you into a position, he's going to call you out if it's time to leave. Mm -hmm. And so instead of asking ourselves the question, should I be doing something different? Is this really the end of the road for whatever it is I'm doing here? We should really be putting that back into the yoke question, right? The one who has the reins, Mm -hmm. kind of like uh, some cattle turning around and asking the guy with the reins, Hey, are we going the right direction still? Is this where? Is this the work I'm supposed to be doing? And then being patient for some sort of a confirmation in that. And sometimes that's immediate. I mean, sometimes he'll answer immediately in some way, whether that's internally through your spirit, or he'll bring somebody across your path that will confirm, say something to you, or he'll have an event happen where it's clear, I'm not, I don't belong here anymore. Or, he'll do exactly the opposite in a situation that we think oh i'm i'm done here yeah <laughs> he'll bring somebody <laughs> across your path and say you know what maybe you're not mm-hmm. and maybe it's just your focus that needs to change about why you're here because maybe you got here under your own power your own devices your own agenda and maybe Once you put my yoke upon you, you're going to get a different feel for even the place you already are. Does that make sense?
0: No, that makes absolutely perfect sense. That definitely makes sense. Now, I was thinking about that too, because there've been so many times in my life where I'm questioning, man, should I have possibly left this job sooner? Or was I supposed to be working with this particular company or that company, um, like cuz i do quite a few different side hustles too so i'm, I'm talking yeah. about that as well so should i be a part of this particular opportunity and yeah I, sometimes i'm like man maybe i should have pivoted sooner i shouldn't have gone down this path so i love that explanation definitely
1: yeah and i think if we try and answer those on our own power uh it's very confusing and i think exactly. if we if we learn if we can learn the patience of being yoked um Sometimes, I mean, think about, uh, just give a biblical example here. Think about uh, Old Testament, the story of young David, who is identified, you know, he had a lot of brothers that were older than him. He's identified as the anointed king of Israel as a young boy. But when does he, I mean, he's on the run from King Saul for years, King Saul remains in his office for Mm -hmm. years. Lord's anointing has been removed from Saul. The anointing has been given to David. And yet David is patient enough in that circumstance, even has a chance to kill Saul and says, you know what, that's not my decision. My, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. The Lord's going to do that. When the Lord wants me in my role as king, what I've been anointed for, those circumstances will come about. I look at that and I think, oh my goodness, if I only had half Mm -hmm. of that patience, if I only had half of that perspective in my own life, I think my life would look a little different. Mm -hmm. And just by the definition of it, I think I would be more restful. I yeah. I I think I would be striving less. I think I would be questioning less. Mm-hmm. I think I would be more content. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about.
0: Yeah, I love that. Love that so much. So what was a turning point in your life that prompted you to focus on how you approach rest or the Sabbath, whichever term you want to use?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, I, I mentioned earlier uh, the class I took, the New Testament survey class, where mm-hmm. it, it kind of opened up for me in, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, once I started going down that rabbit hole and I kind of found out what Scripture, I think, was saying, um, I looked back on my life at times wh- that weren't restful, and I had a glaring example. And I tell about this in the book in the last chapter. Um I was in my early twenties. I had uh, I had studied to be a junior high English teacher coming out of college, and I mm-hmm. I, I tried that for three years. It was awesome. Uh, I was exactly where I was supposed to be, and it was a good example of God calling me out to do something different. Um, but could there be something worse than trying to teach junior high kids English? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if you ask me, it, it you know. I have the utmost respect for teachers. To me, that (laughs) sounds like a glutton for punishment, but I I just, you know, someone's got to do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, that was me for three years, but then I got called out of that and had an opportunity back in my hometown where my wife and I grew up to work uh, in real estate sales. My father-in-law owned a company here in town Mm -hmm. and he wanted his daughter back close to him. And I get that. So Mm -hmm. we moved back. And I went from a job where I had healthcare and a steady paycheck and short of me doing something dramatically bad, there's no way they could fire me. That was teaching, uh, to a job that was hundred percent commission sales. Mm -hmm. And I did literally, I did everything I could for the first nine months in that job. And I didn't sell anything. I mean, it was literally the first time in my life I put everything into something and got little to no results. And so mm-hmm. uh, we had a line of credit. I was $20,000 in debt, which uh, the year before teaching, I had made 19900 So mm-hmm. that's a whole year back in those days, and maybe still is for some people. Yeah. Um, it was un it was unbelievable i was uh depressed i wasn't getting out of bed sure. i wasn't I, all those questions we just talked about is this where i'm supposed to be did i make a mistake coming here do i need to move back to tacoma where i taught all those questions were going through my head and Uh, we didn't respond very well. We were like uh, some of those Old Testament uh, groups of people coming out of Egypt that just grumbled and complained a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You were channeling the Israelites.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And what's funny is when they came out of Egypt, their main thing was, I wish we were back in Egypt. At least we had food.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was kind of crazy. But well, it's (laughs) it's
1: crazy because it's like, God said, I brought you out of slavery. To and I've got something so much better, and all you gotta do is stay the course. Yeah. And our tendency when we get in those situations, if we're not focused right, our tendency is to want to go back to Egypt.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's comforting. It's what you
1: it's it's what I know. It and so the mm -hmm. that's really what we started to do because I had taken a year's leave of absence from my teaching job. And we had to make a decision whether I was going back because we were at the nine-month mark. Mm. And so my wife and I sort of got on our knees, uh, metaphorically, because (laughs) we didn't literally, (laughs) but we got on our knees in prayer and we just said, God, I have no idea what to do. Um, I think the best route would be to go back to Tacoma and teach. And short of anything else coming up, uh, that's what we're going to do. And that was our prayer, which by the way, if you replay that what I just said, there was no prayer in there at all. It was just us telling God what we're doing <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> we were what we just said
1: just we just weren't looking that. for guidance, we weren't asking <laughs> for anything we were we had just decided, and we were depressed, right? yep, um, well, we had six weeks to make our decision in that six weeks, God just flipped the script on my real estate career. Uh, He brought buyers to me. I wrote up offers. I put uh, enough deals in escrow that answered the question, oh, this is where we're supposed to be. Paid off my debt within that next uh, four to five months.
0: Wow.
1: And I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And after I'd done the study a few years later on rest, I looked back on that situation and said, "You know what? I could have responded much better than I did." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I that was an utter failure <laughs> yeah. of enter, of entering into rest. The author of Hebrews says to believers, people that are believers in Jesus, he says, "Be diligent to enter rest." So rest is not something that automatically comes when we come to faith. Oh yeah. Rest Mm -hmm. is something that we still have to choose to enter into after we come to faith. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so that happened early in my career. Uh, At the very end of my real estate career was 2008. And Mm -hmm. if anybody remembers 2008 in the real estate market, everything just, (laughs) oh, it was was a replay of what had happened earlier in my career because I was doing everything I knew how to do and nothing was working. And I had, uh, by that time I had learned, uh, what Hebrews had to say. I'd been teaching on the topic. So it was really under pressure to respond. Well, Mm -hmm. and Lisa and I literally not just figuratively this time, but we literally got on our knees and Mm -hmm. our prayer was, we have no idea what we're supposed to be doing, but we know that you have a direction for us. And so we're going to be patient. I'm getting choked up just talking about it because Mm -hmm. it was so such a defining moment uh, in our lives. And I think we all have those, right? Oh, yeah, Um, definitely. We just said, uh, we're going to be patient and wait for you and your guidance on what to do. And within three or four weeks, it was pretty obvious. I sold my real estate business. I had gotten my master's in theology by that time, Mm -hmm. and I started working as a pastor in a church, and I did that for 10 years, and I was in exactly the right place for those 10 years. So good examples in my life, and I think as I talk about that, my hope is, not that the focus is on me, but my hope is that as I talk about my transitions, Mm -hmm. that you and your listeners will also remember times in their lives in your life when it's like oh yeah i could have responded better then or oh yeah there was there was that one time where i just waited and waited and that was the best thing i could have done because that led to this and this and this and, this and the blessings and all that so yeah um yeah i think we've confused i think we're arguing about the wrong things when it comes to sabbath i we're, i agree but, we're going yeah we're going back to definitions about what the fourth commandment is. And I just, as I read the new Testament, especially, I see Jesus opening that topic up to a a bigger, broader topic that the fourth commandment can never answer. And when we get that perspective and hopefully that's what my book does. When we get that perspective, it allows us, it frees us up a little bit more to experience uh, what it is that, that Jesus is offering.
0: I love that so much. Yeah. I'm sitting up here thinking, yeah, there were quite a few situations in my life. I feel like I could have responded to, but hindsight is 2020, 20, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just don't know what you don't know at that time. So yeah, no, I, I, I I'm, yeah, I'm really, you just hit on so many points. Sorry. I'm just sitting here <laughs> thinking about that.
1: <laughs> no, good. The book is called Rethinking Rest yes, for a reason, right? Yes. And the subtitle: Why our approach to Sabbath isn't working, yeah. and a little play on words there, obviously, because Sabbath is all about not working. <laughs> the fourth exactly. commandment.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you know what? Getting back to to kind of like the play on words on the title. What type of activities should we be participating in in order to honor the Sabbath?
1: Yeah. Uh, I have an epilogue or a, an afterword in my book uh, mm-hmm. where I try and get practical. Um, I So I do all the theology within the book and tell stories and that kind of stuff. And then we try and get practical there in the, in the afterward. And uh, one of the things is that I suggest that we should um, have a regular time in our lives where we reset towards rest mm-hmm. because our, our natural tendency is going to be to move away from rest true to yeah. try and reorder our lives the way we think it should be reordered and stop listening to the one um whose yoke we've put on our back right um mm-hmm. uh, paul in his, in the new testament um Uh, When Jesus talks to Paul on the road to Damascus, he says, why are you kicking against the goads? The goads are these things that help tell cattle which direction to go. Mm -hmm. And Paul has been kicking against those. He's been fighting against the yoke, in other words, uh, the same idea. And I think we spend our time... Out there, uh, I call it the cursed day world that we go out and live in every day. You know, we have our devotional time in our quiet chair with our nice cup of tea, like you said, right? And yep, <laughs> our comfy blanket. And then we have to get up from that and, uh, and we go out into the cursed day world where everybody else is trying to figure it out and reorganize what God has already done on our behalf.
0: Mm. And
1: we just need to constantly reset back to and remind ourselves, hey, it, it is God's finished work. He has already ordered this thing the way we were designed to work within it. That's what stopped on day six. When, G, when God rested on day seven, it's, it's not that he was doing nothing on day seven. That's what we sometimes teach about that. Yeah. that he was mo- modeling for us what we should do one day a week. Now, his rest on day seven was a ceasing of one thing and a beginning of his rule. So he stopped organizing the cosmos on day seven. That mm-hmm. was the ceasing because that work was done and he began his rule and he's invited us into that process of ruling with him. Mm-hmm. But his only caveat is, if this is going to be restful for you, if my rule and therefore you ruling in the world is going to be restful, you have to do it the way I've organized the world. So don't go back into the first six days on your own and try and reorganize it because that's done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what Adam and Eve tried to do, right? Uh, yeah. God gave them <laughs> parameters. He gave and them they a, went
0: right outside.
1: <laughs> he gave them a place to be and a thing to do. And he said, oh, and by the way, there's one place that you shouldn't go. Just trust me. It's the way I've made you. You don't need to eat that fruit. And they said, you know what? They, well, for whatever reason, whether you want to blame the serpent or it's innate within them, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, whatever combination you want to give to that, they went outside the function and order that god had established in the garden and mm-hmm. they said you know what i think i have a better way of ordering this whole thing i want to know that and then they got there and they were kicked out of their rest yeah. they got kicked out of the garden where things were restful and what's the existence outside the garden in the cursed day world <laughs> we're seeing it's, ex- that. <laughs> it's exhaustion i mean yeah. the curse the curse on the land says it's going to be painful for you yeah, yeah. so Jesus is just inviting us back into the, not the Garden of Eden itself, the literal place, but the rule that Adam and Eve were under before they chose to go outside of that, mm-hmm. and that's what Jesus is inviting us back to. Hey, God's, God's got a way this thing's going to work. Just fall in line. Learn how to do that well. And you might need to remind yourself on a regular basis to do that, because your tendency is going to be to stray. So how do we build things into our lives? Um, you might want to say, hey, how about one day a week? <laughs> you, you don't work. <laughs> yeah. The fourth commandment, right? And mm-hmm. I think that was at the basis of what the fourth commandment was. It was like, take some time and just focus on where God has you. And that can be, that shouldn't just be one day a week, by the way, that should be every day.
0: Let me ask you this. Yeah. What role does gratitude play in mm-hmm. our quest to incorporate more rest into our
1: lives? Yeah. Gratitude is an interesting word, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. We don't do enough of it. I'll tell you that.
1: (laughs) Well, and I'm not sure. It's like Sabbath. I'm not sure we really understand (laughs) what the definitions are.
0: Good point. Um, Yeah,
1: it varies. Uh, Again, just going back to kind of rehash some of the stuff we've already talked about. um, Gratitude is that idea of I'm I'm satisfied where I am, and if this is not where I'm supposed to be in the future. Then God will show me and thank God that He will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank God I don't have to figure all that out. Yeah. Because that's exhausting. Yeah. And, and that's unrestful. Uh, most people think that the way we've defined rest, we, th- we would say the opposite of rest is work. And that makes sense on one True. level. Yeah. But biblically speaking, the opposite of rest isn't work, the opposite of rest is restlessness. And you can be restful in your work, and you can also be restless in your work. True. So True. work, the, the type of rest that Jesus is talking about, has nothing to do with our work. It has to do with the reason we're doing our work and whether we're in the right place doing the right thing. So gratitude. Thank Thank you, God, (laughs) even though I haven't done it well, thank you, God, for organizing my life and showing me where I'm supposed to be, even though I don't listen, even though I want to go back to Egypt, even though I try and subvert and do everything in my power sometimes, it seems, to stray, thank you for still having a plan for my life. Sure. Thanks for organizing the cosmos yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not asking me to do it. That when, when Job, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Job in the Old yeah. Testament, but Job mm-hmm. has a lot of problems in his life. Oh, his yeah. whole world gets turned <laughs> upside down. And one of the times he goes and complains to God and says, do you really know what you're doing? That's my translation of it. Mm-hmm. And God goes on into this huge explanation yep. of do you understand what I do exactly. in this world? Yeah. You yeah. have absolutely no idea how to organize this thing. And yet that's what you're, that's what you say you want to do. <laughs> and yeah. so that's what gratitude is. It's just like realizing, ah, oh, I can take a deep breath because I don't have to, the, that work's already done. Yeah. I don't have to do that. And I've been trying so hard to find meaning and purpose and order, and all I need to do is slip on a yoke and be tethered to the one that knows exactly where I should be, let him guide me to it, and mm-hmm. then find rest in my work, because the yoke is an instrument of work. And thank God that we can do that, because...
0: Yeah. This is yeah. So true. So yeah. true. And speaking of gratitude, who has had the biggest influence on your life?
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. All these big questions from you. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd Put like on that say, thinking
0: th- cap. Put on your thinking cap. <laughs> I'd like to
1: say first, Jesus Christ, because that's yeah. the right answer, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, sh- short of that, though, uh, I used to be a youth pastor uh, for seven years. Mm -hmm. And I used to joke, uh, Jesus love, the Bible. Those are the three answers you can say to almost any question, and you've answered it correctly if you're a Christian. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, I'll just say Jesus and love and the Bible. How about that? No. Uh, (laughs) I would say, as as I look back, um, the people... Uh, Interesting, because in my podcast, I've got a Rethinking Scripture podcast Mm -hmm. where I just sort of delve into different scriptures, and I'm starting because my book is launching soon. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually doing a series on rest within my podcast, and I'm starting with what I'm calling origin stories. So how, how did the discussion of rest start in my life? And I'm actually going back and interviewing the people that were influential in
0: getting me to the spot
1: where I am. Yeah. So So. one of my origin people is a guy named Morris Dirks. He was my youth pastor. He ended up uh, writing an endorsement on the back of the book for me. Um, I really appreciate how uh, he invested in my life. Um, And then just a a long list of professors that I sat under that taught me how to read the Bible Uh, because when I learned how to read it properly, not the way I wanted to, but the way it should be read. Uh, It was saying stuff that I would have never come up with on my own. Mm. And it was impactful stuff like what we've been talking about, this idea of rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So what is your unique skill or skills that has helped you to become successful?
1: Uh, well I mentioned it earlier um I do a lot of things and none of them very well when I was uh when I was in college <laughs> coming out of high school I was a decent athlete uh, uh I, I'm six foot I'm six foot five uh inches tall mm-hmm. and so I was a basketball player naturally I also played football and baseball coming out of high school wow mm-hmm but I thought I was going to be God's gift to the basketball court, so um, <laughs> I went to uh, the only college that really wanted me to play for him, which is this small Division three school, mm-hmm. which tells you a little bit about my uh, athletic ability coming out of high school. That's right. Um, <laughs> and uh, I played for a couple of years. Um, I was a I was a post a center back when um, posts and centers didn't know how to face the basket and shoot. And my sophomore year, there was a guy that they recruited that was like 6'10", and I quickly just realized I'm not as good as I thought I was. (laughs) (laughs) So I stopped playing basketball. I started playing football because I was halfway decent at football, not great. Um, The thing about me, to answer your question, is kind of like my athletic career. I just I'm just good enough to get my foot in the door in a lot of different scenarios. I'm not great at any of them. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that I wrote the best book in the world, but you know what? I wrote a book. <laughs> You're well-rounded. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, well-rounded. And I think, that, um, I think that as I've gone through life, just being able to walk into a situation and get by at a bare minimum has really uh, done good things for me. Yeah, Mm, it's opened a lot of doors. Fantastic,
0: fantastic. So we are at the beginning of a new year, right? So if you had to choose one word to represent your goals for this year, what would it be and why?
1: Uh, I'm gonna take the easy way out. It's a great question. It's a great question. I I'm ask that take,
0: question every episode. Yeah,
1: so. yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to, I'm just going to take the easy way out and I'm going to say my word is rest. And
0: yes, I could say that. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And number one, that provides, uh, it's it's a good book promotion, number one. So let's not go. try and duck that, right? <laughs> um, but number two, I just know that I'm going to be talking about rest a lot. hmm and I know that's going to force me as an individual to reevaluate that area of my life on a regular basis throughout this next year. So I'm hoping that that goes well for me. And I'm hoping that um, that message and the thought process uh, gets through to a lot of other people. Uh, well, this I know year it's, as well.
0: it's definitely resonated with me. So I'm quite confident the rest of the audience will feel, feel that as well. I mean, you can't yeah. help but feel that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Of course. Well, last but not least, what's the best advice for those who seek to rethink how they rest?
1: Yeah. Um I would um uh, and here's what I do when I when I speak to groups, when I present this in small groups or to large groups, it doesn't matter, individuals, I usually say I usually start by asking them, if you had to define what rest is from a biblical standpoint, where would you go with that? And 90 to 95% of the people go to some sort of an answer about the fourth commandment, about one day a week, not doing physical work. Mm -hmm. And so my advice to people is, if I was to ask you that question, where do you go? How would you answer the question? What is it that the Bible's talking about when it talks about rest? If your tendency is to go to that fourth commandment and tr- and you're trying to find answers there for mm-hmm. what Jesus is offering, I would just ask you, I in the book, I I say that's a cul-de-sac conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it, you think it's a through street that you're heading down that leads somewhere when you go to the fourth commandment, but what really happens is you get into the cul-de-sac and there's nowhere to go. We get caught up in conversations that aren't fruitful, and the only way to go is to turn around and go back to where you came. So, yeah. instead, of, so instead of going into that cul-de-sac of the fourth commandment, I would just encourage them to back away from that, go into the New Testament, that Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 is a great example. What <laughs> is it that Jesus is offering? It's so much more... Than one day a week,
0: it's a lifestyle. That's it, it's, it's a, a it's a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's totally a lifestyle. The author of Hebrews in the chapters three and four, people can find it uh, for themselves. That'll be a good Bible mm-hmm. study. Um, he says, "Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart, like those back in the wilderness generation that came out of Egypt, when they were an offered offered rest. Mm-hmm. Don't harden your heart, but respond in a way." That will bring you into rest, and so today is really the author of Hebrews says today if you hear his voice, and so I ask, what day's the Sabbath? That's the question I always ask people, mm-hmm. and literally the New Testament definition of Sabbath is today. I love that, and the best best thing about that is, it's always today. I love that, Greg. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much for coming on to the show. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I mean, it's been very enlightening and honestly, you, you provoked me to think about certain things a little differently too. So please provide your information in the event that folks want to get in touch with you. How can they do so?
1: Yeah. So the easiest way I've got two websites. Uh, the podcast is rethinking scripture and so I've got rethinkingscripture.com That is a podcast. It's a website that kind of supports the podcast. It gives mm-hmm. more information about me. There's a contact tab on that, on that website that people can go to and just shoot me. It'll end up in my email box. Uh, the other website is my book website. So the book's rethinking rest and my, that website is rethinkingrest.com. And there's a connect tab there too. So easy Mm -hmm. to get in touch with me. I love, I don't know if you noticed, I love talking about rest. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of my thing and I'm trying to embrace that. So literally I'll get back to anybody that reaches out to me and I'd love to have more conversations.
0: Definitely, definitely. And all of this information is also going to be in the show notes and on the Hustle and Faith website. Greg, thank you so much once again for coming onto the show Really, really enjoyed our conversation.
1: I appreciated the time too. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle and Faith and would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, then risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode. For additional content from Hustle & Faith, check out our plan on the Uversion Bible app titled, What Film is Playing on Your Screen?